You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast. This is a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. As always, we would like to start by thanking all of our listeners for their support. Please continue to listen to us and spread the word about our podcast to your cricket-loving friends. If you haven't done this already, please subscribe to our podcast on the platform that you listen to us on, be it Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or anything like that. You can find us there by searching for Armchair Cricket Podcast uh, quite easily. Uh, do not forget to leave us a rating, uh, preferably a five-star rating, and leave your feedback. You can reach out to us by email. Our email address is armchair.cricket at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at armchaircrickpod. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, all these links you know, are found in the description now below. Now, uh, we have a special feature today in this episode where a friend of the show and a returning guest, Karna, uh, will join us. Uh, he will speak about some special performances during uh, World Cups. Now, having said all that, it is time to welcome my co-host Ajit. Hello, Ajit. How have you been, my friend? Quite a while. It's been quite a while since we uh, spoke last time. Indeed. I agree. I'm doing all right. Uh, it's been a couple of hectic days at work. I think this mm-hmm. will remain for the next few weeks, let me put it like that. But outside of that, indeed, it's been a while. And uh, I mean, I'm happy that we've started this again. There was a bit of a lull and so it should be because in the upcoming few weeks, at least five to six weeks, I think we'll be very, very, very busy with cricket. So, you know, it's also sort of right that we take a small break for ourselves. Why not? Yeah. Right. Well, then, yeah, let's let's get cracking. Mm -hmm. Let's see. uh, Let's go through the trivia question. Right. So the trivia question from last week was... Which player holds the record for the highest score at number 10 in tests, right? Batting in number 10 in tests. So yes. yeah. it was sort of a tough question. I understand. I had given a hint that, you know, it is one of those older records that has stayed in cricket, right? So, but I was not really surprised that uh, we did not receive any right answers. But the answer mm-hmm. is 117 scored by Walter Reed batting at number 10 for England versus Australia in the 16th ever test match held um, at the Oval, right, um, in 1884. So it's back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, um, the, in this test match, Australia batted first and they scored 551 in 311 overs, right? So this was those days where people took the time. So Australia had 300s in the top four and including a double hundred by the captain, Billy Murdoch of Australia. But then uh, England tried um, as many as... Um, well, 10 bowlers, all 10 bowlers except the keeper bowled. And uh, they struggled, clearly. And when it came their turn to bat, um, they were in a lot of trouble. The opener's cotton uh, hit 90, but there were single-digit or double-digit contributions down the order. But they were in a lot of trouble at 8 for 181, right? When they lost their keeper, Honorable A. Littleton. But um, then, number 10, Walter Reed had different ideas because he stayed with the opener and uh, they together added um, um, nearly 150 runs to take England to 332 
after which uh, of course the openness quantum is dismissed but england finally uh, became all out for 346 so you know comparatively if they had given a 300 run lead probably the match was gone they were made to follow on they were still more than uh, 200 runs behind they were 205 runs behind so australia made them follow on yeah but um, you know england were able to bat out the remaining time in the match and essentially this basically made sure that uh, the match was not lost let me put it like this right and as a result england uh, won the three test match series in 1884 right 1-0 so this was a this was a good occasion that you know this is um, not only a match saving innings but also a series saving innings as far as uh, you know this innings by walter reed was concerned yeah so this is the highest still remains the highest score by the num- by a number 10 you know one of those old records what we discussed all right going on if you were to look at the world cup news uh, well some of the last teams to finalize uh, their world cup squad pakistan have announced their world cup squad as well giri did you yeah. notice this yeah i did manage to catch this uh, so there have been some interesting changes right so the first uh, the initial squad contained uh, some um, surprise cho- choices should i say mm-hmm. in the form of let's say uh, junaid khan and uh, abid ali abid yeah. ali who did well in those you know uh, in those odis in uh, in uae right um so, so well not surprisingly for some people i mean i think fahim ashraf has had a horrible run of form uh, during mm-hmm. the last few matches he was conceding too many runs and he was not so much so effective with the bat so right. considering right. these things inzam amulhaq has uh, announced a change uh, mm-hmm. of squad so basically three people have been uh, replaced so we have bowlers fahim ashraf and junaid khan uh, being replaced by mohammad um, amir who has recovered mm-hmm. successfully right from his chicken pox a uh, little bowl of chicken pox that he had in england right uh, and then well it's a surprising surprising inclusion for some uh, because uh, fahim ashraf uh, i spoke about fahim ashraf and uh, junaid khan so another inclusion is wahabrias the right. age old right. wahabrias uh, mm-hmm. well i don't know how old is it 34 or 35 33 i think but yeah 33 yeah. okay yeah, yeah so yeah. No so strategy. his inclusion yeah his inclusion is a bit of a surprise for some people i think he you mentioned offline that he had a good uh, psl tournament yeah yeah uh, he showed some good form there so he has been included and inzamam has said this that will need or pakistan will need uh, the experience that's on offer uh, in the form of uh, you know mohammad amir as well as uh, wahab riaz in the bowling Indeed. department Indeed. and uh, looking at Uh, the batting change, you know, but uh, the batsman who has been replaced is Abid Ali. Uh, so he's been replaced by Asif Ali. Uh, yes. He's a hard-hitting batsman, Asif Ali. So if in, uh, you know, if he, if Pakistan have to be successful uh, in England, they will have to have a good, uh, you know, uh, explosive batting order at the top right. of the uh, inning. So I think Asif Ali will be able to do that. Indeed. Um, yeah. Speaking of Asif Ali, yeah, you had something to say. Well, yeah, I mean the cruel irony of life, right? So Asif Ali gets picked to play uh, for Pakistan in the World Cup, and on that day, uh, he loses his daughter to cancer. So it's very unfortunate to hear this, and uh, our condolences are with Asif Ali and his family, right? And uh, may God give them the strength to bear uh, through these t- times, right? But yeah, look at the irony of life that he gets picked for Pakistan. But well, he gets picked deservedly. Let me say that first because he did yeah. really well in the England series with a couple of really hard hitting fifties, and he showed mm-hmm. that this guy could be sort of a finisher, right? He could bat behind the likes of Hafiz and Shoaib Malik if both of them play, 
right i mean my personal opinion is maybe both of them need not start maybe one of them will start but let's see how it goes i think they have room for all three in the lineup uh, mm. so that's one thing the other thing when it comes to wahabrias right uh, mm. he's also an exponent of uh, reversing bowling right mm. so i've heard a part of uh, chief selector inzama mulhaks let's say introduction of the world cup squad the thing he indicated was that um, wahabrias has been brought back one for his aggression and his let's say pace and his ability to get in the batsman's face but also mm-hmm. his experience but the most mm-hmm. important factor is that well he can reverse swing the ball and inzamam said what they have noticed in this ongoing england series or the just recently concluded england series for pakistan is that the pitches might be more neutral so even though there may be some early morning starts or late afternoon starts uh, the pitches will be more neutral so so that the matches are exciting and there are no one sided matches right and that means bowling in the death and the ability to ability to reverse swing the ball will be very important so with that in mind i think both uh, also for their experience of course wahabrias has been brought back and mohammad amir also retains his spot or has been brought back because you know mohammad amir i think is still a crucial uh, role has a crucial role to play because effectively um, he's been doing well in england and i know his recent record has not been good and he's just coming back from bout of chicken pox but you know the they have a couple of warm up matches and also more importantly they have a long longish round robin like everybody else so uh, with that they i think uh, they'll come good and it might be a left side pick for me but picking somebody like wahab riyas might not be a bad idea because you know if you remember uh, mickey mm-hmm. arthur had said this guy did not win a match for them in two years or what not he and was given one chance yeah. yes he has a point exactly. to prove yeah <laughs> so he has the hunger you know to come back and do it for pakistan no and- it, yeah go on Yeah no I'm I'm just looking at the bowling squad here uh, the mm-hmm. the bowlers that are in the team so Hasan Ali Shahin Chafridi mm-hmm. Mohammad Amir Wahab Riyas and of course the X factor Mohammad Hasnain yes, I saw him yes. bowl in this uh, you know warm up match against uh, Afghanistan yesterday which right. Pakistan happened to lose unfortunately for them uh-huh. uh, so uh-huh. they put up a score of 263 runs having won the toss and uh, decided to bat first right uh, Babar Azam scored a century um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah and Pakistan looked okay at the top of the order but they had a kind of a middle order collapse or the middle order did not uh, you know perform up to their full potential guys mm-hmm. like hari sohail you know he got out for one run uh, hafiz right. was also out in you know uh, in the teens uh, mm-hmm. only shoaib malik you know uh, one of we are a fan of shoaib malik right we keep saying this he's our uh, yes, son in law yes. <laughs> uh, he he provided some stability there in the middle order and it's good to see that he's scoring runs again so he scored 44 mm-hmm. runs uh, yes. and apart from that nobody else you know stood up and uh, uh, and uh, helped pakistan score a bigger score this this was 262 runs all out um afghanistan right i mean they they are a good squad they're looking good each uh, every time they play well mm-hmm. this is a warm up match so they play 15 against 15 so you can choose your 11 Uh, to bat and 11 to bowl right so you can choose that right right so afghanistan uh, tested out their full bowling strength by the look of it uh, and mohammad mm-hmm. uh, nabi mohammad nabi and rashid khan you know they they were in and amongst the wickets so did uh, daulat zadran and uh, hamid hasan right uh, ah hamid hasan yeah. yeah yeah indeed yeah nice. so he picked up a wicket nice. but in response uh-huh. uh, in response afghanistan started off very well uh, they had an explosive start uh, we we talked about this guy in one of our previous episodes as well as in i think uh, when we did a feature on afghanistan cricket team um mm-hmm. hazratullah zazai the young uh, guy right. coming up the ranks uh-huh. 
he is an explosive opener and he did that on this occasion he did provide an explosive start to their uh, uh, chase so he made 49 out of 28 deliveries so very uh, hard hitting batsman um mm-hmm. and afghanistan got off to a flyer um, unfortunately mohammad right. shahzad was retired hurt i don't know why oh. I, i couldn't follow that uh, what happened there right. uh but their middle order all clicked actually so they all of them got starts rahmat shah got 32 runs uh samiullah shinwari he made 24 runs uh mm-hmm. but then again they had a lower middle order collapse so azgar afghan azgar afghan sorry uh, yeah. he got out cheaply but mohammad nabi uh, you know provided some stability there in the middle order and along with uh, hashmatullah shahidi who remained unbeaten on 74 runs he guided afghanistan mm-hmm. home uh, so they won the match with two balls to spare and afghanistan right. uh, have actually beaten pakistan now which means pakistan have extended their unwanted uh, losing streak i think they they're now down oh. to nine matches or something so they haven't won a match ever since uh, under uh, shoaib malik you know uh, malik's captaincy they won a match remember uh, in, south yeah, africa, yeah, in south africa in south africa so oh, ever since that right. they haven't won a match in odi uh, cricket uh, well mm-hmm. this was a warm up match but still it will really do them uh, you know a world of good if they can win one match uh, let's see what they will right. uh, come up with but mm. i think you mentioned this offline as well um, pakistan on a losing streak might be yeah. too hot to handle uh, later in the world cup when the real uh, tournament begins so we might as well see the real pakistan then uh, real uh, you know fiery pakistan they will have a point to prove right so it's yeah. going to be interesting mm-hmm. um, but yeah i mean looking at the squad they have you know batsmen of the likes of babar azam imam ul haq uh, you know uh, hafiz with the experience asif ali right. with the um, explosive ability shadab khan the all round all rounder and imam imad wasim as well so uh, so it, it looks very balanced now uh, although i feel uh, sorry for uh, fahim ashraf and uh, junaid khan to miss out right well i mean Fahim Ashraf was sort of declining suddenly. Mm. Something happened, and I think he was not right. He was not in the right mental frame of mind. Let's say mm. right, or he was not in the right frame of mind because um, he was suddenly lost the sting in the bowling. He he could bat, he he didn't bat, but maybe they jumped the gun a bit there. I don't know because he's he's sort of been in and around the squad for almost two years now, right? Yeah, and he sort of set up himself as somebody who's able to give you that. let's say 8 or 10 overs in a match um he is probably the first change bowler he will not be you know he will not be the new ball bowler but later uh, also provide some uh, important runs lower down the order i i don't know if they if there was something else going on in the background or maybe he didn't feel confident but indeed on field his performances have lagged they have it's you can see that yeah. but i mean uh, he could not pick himself up as well i mean he kept going from bad to worse so Uh, there were probably two ways to go one is you in- infuse new blood but the other was to retain him and give him that confidence but i think pakistan chose to go with the new blood in this case old blood wahabrias but nonetheless effective yeah. i hope mm-hmm. that's one thing and junaid khan look he was always going to be a like for like replacement when it comes to amir mm-hmm. and i think they went back to the safety that amir provides and junaid khan himself did not move mountains with his performances he was just average so as a result they probably went with amir knowing that amir might still be able to raise uh, up to the occasion you know as he did in the champions trophy final but amir is down on pace i saw him bowl yesterday a couple of overs he's bowling mm-hmm. at 80 mm-hmm. 81 miles an hour that's something like uh, 130 km per hour but when he started out all those years ago you remember he was bowling 140 plus comfortably and when he was even a teenager back then just like mohammad hasnain mm-hmm. is right now and i right, saw hasnain right. bowl 
95 miles per hour yesterday delivery which was bold 152 kilometers <laughs> per hour so that was almost like shoy waxer so it's, fantastic it's amazing fantastic. to see such pace from a young kid uh, and right. i also happened to uh, catch a glimpse of what uh, wasim akram had to say about this guy about this kid uh-huh. um uh-huh. new kid um wasim akram said he's falling you know his head is slightly falling uh, over his arm should could be higher still should be closer to the ear and with some mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. you know fine tuning here and there he could be the next uh, big weapon uh, for pakistan when it comes Fantastic. to uh, fast bowling so there's a lot oh, of, lot of potential there he has raw pace so they just need to mm-hmm. take care of him uh, mm-hmm. and you know manage his career in a better way than they did with uh, the other fast bowlers right the big names that we once had who unfortunately mm-hmm. I, i think i mean i really feel very sorry for shoy bakhtar i still am a huge fan of his uh he he yeah he could not you know he had some injuries as well but he could have done a lot more i would say for now yes i mean when you hear to shoheb akhtar as now the let's say the panelist yeah. in all these uh, game shows he he appears to be uh, first of all a genuine sort of an individual but also i think he has a completely different outlook on how things were done how things were dealt mm. with during his playing career so it's a long discussion and i've been listening to him for a uh, past couple of years and first of all he comes across as a genuine gentleman but um well i mean there are always two sides to story aren't there so uh, i think we can discuss this uh, we can make well, this probably something we can discuss no, this as yeah, a yeah that, that's true but i'm i'm not taking his perspective into this i'm only saying ah, uh, ah. what i feel about it right i mean the right, way his right, career right. progressed uh, mm-hmm. from the late 90s until uh, how it diminished at the fag end of his career could have been better but uh, anyway could have some uh, yeah right. we also have some people like you know Irfan Pathan for example our own Irfan Pathan exactly. right so look at how his oh. career uh, took off and how it basically crash landed right so mm-hmm. yeah right i can happen well but yes i mean but look they are able to both probably spin it out and make a media career for themselves after the playing time so well, it's not all doom and gloom one one come on well happen. i think they are born cricketers right i mean they they are born to play whatever they do outside ah. uh, their cricketing career of course they have to fill in uh, a void which has been left behind after uh, having played cricket for so long so they will have to right. do find another profession uh, not everybody will you know will will have <laughs> well i mean i'm not going to say anything but you know some people are blessed to have a long career as well as uh, uh, you know have having made so much money uh, while playing mm, cricket mm, not everybody mm, is uh, right. gifted with such kind of uh, talent as well as opportunity so they have to make something out of it so you know i understand no i understand yeah. all good all right going forward uh, the other team to finalize their uh, squad was uh, england right so here as ex- as we all expected england have gone with archer right yeah. so they have gone with the pace that uh, pace in the promise that uh, archer provides yeah. right and of course um the let's say the left side pick or the left field pick here is liam dawson who was not in the odi squad for the last two odi series and he's not been in the england setup all of this year actually but he's been given a chance uh, based on his performances in the ongoing uh, you know the list a tournament in england the local list a tournament and he's been doing really well he's the sixth highest uh, wicket taker as well as uh, he's been scoring some runs right so that's uh, the they've called in um, liam dawson in the place of uh, joe denley who i thought was a bit uh, you know unlucky because i don't think he got enough opportunity in this uh, england pakistan series to you know with the bat or the ball 
and he did not do much with what he got either but unfortunately it looked like it was probably the he was given the captain or the team management were given jordan lee and they might not have been very happy and then you know ashley giles had also hinted that liam dawson was never out of the picture even when the uh, bilateral series was going on and then uh, they just brought him in right and of course um, james wins takes uh, the place of alex hales who was sort of deselected yeah, yeah. earlier right so in this whole story the only guy that comes across as a little bit unfortunate is uh, david willy along with jordan lee of course but david willy mainly because he was he was doing okay he sort of picked up his game a little you could see that he was striving for more pace and also uh, you know he was trying his best and he i think he also did a little bit with the bat but unfortunately i think the promise jofra archer uh, offers is too too good and uh, the selector ed, ed smith said that actually when he said that you know jordan lee uh, sorry uh, um willy was a bit unfortunate to miss out and he said uh, to not pick archer would have been a mistake which i agree with but yeah i don't think they could have fit both uh, liam plunkett did enough to make sure he went on uh, and then uh, i think chris wokes is your sort of banker in that fast bowling squad so i don't think they would want to tinker with him so yeah i mean england have also finalized their squad and i think um, there were some minor injuries case right i think uh, oin morgan suffered a small some flakes uh, flake fracture something Snow they called it fracture. while batting i think he suffered a snowflake <laughs> fracture or whatever but he expected to be mm-hmm. fit right that's one thing and uh, when it comes to the other squads well india have uh, they have finalized their squad previously and they were sort of worried about jadhav kedar jadhav but now it's looks like he'll recover in time and he'll make the squad mm-hmm. right that's one thing and uh, also i think vijay shankar had a small uh, scare giri no no Did i only read this? that uh... Vijay Shankar was out ah. on the field during a practice drill. Uh, he got injured, and then he went back uh, to the dressing room. Uh, mm-hmm. And a few hours later, he was back with the bat. So he was uh, coming out to bat again. So, so but All he's right. there as a batsman, right? right? It looks like he was yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Huh? But he's he's playing yeah. his main uh, right. playing role here as as a batman, batsman, not batman. Sorry. <laughs> right. Of well, course, batman would also uh-huh. be nice. I have to say, but yeah, you never know. <laughs> so, you never know. We don't know what it does at night. All right. Yeah. So um, if he ah. has to sit out, then it opens up a place for KL Rahul in the playing eleven. I have to say. Yeah. All right. I think so. I think so. Unless they want to replace him in the squad, but this is not a yeah. major injury. Right? Okay. Yeah. All good. All right. Then going further, uh, we can take a quick look at the prize money that has been offered now for the winners of the 2019 World Cup. So, you know. Uh, the prize money is now 4.8 million for the winners as a 2019 world cup and you know this is actually more than the overall prize money in the 2003 tournament that's amazing yeah, yeah. Uh, right so when we look at the progression in the 2003 tournament the winners took home 2 million and in the two, 2007 version it was 2.4 in the 2011 it was 3.2 in the 2015 it was 3.9 and now it's 4.8 million mm. so this is fantastic right as also you know in this world cup even if you were to not qualify beyond the league stage you would still take mm. home half a million dollars so all of these in are in us dollars but nonetheless it's a substantial yeah. amount yeah, of money yeah yeah right? obviously yeah. yeah um yeah it's 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 incomparable 2003 if i get 2 2 million against mm-hmm. is almost 5 million wow it's more than doubled it's more than doubled exactly yeah. <laughs> exactly that's a good thing so that means you know uh, the people who get uh, their money pumping yeah. in the money through sponsorship and other things they are also reflecting yeah. in the on field money so that's that's a good thing and why not it's a world cup it happens once every 4 years so 
uh, I can understand it's like grand slams in tennis what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, like at Wimbledon. Yeah, yeah you noticed that also at Wimbledon. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Hmm, why not? Uh, well, I mean, uh, there is another point that we must we must say here. I don't know off the top of my head the winning money for the Women's World Cup team, but I don't think it's 4.8 million, and that might be uh, a factor away. You know, I might be half of it or something. But yeah, I mean, I hope this also reaches parity because we discussed Wimbledon and, you know, there's been talk of how women's game needs to catch up in tennis and the money that mm. they're paid out needs to be the same. Maybe even the women's game in cricket also needs to catch up and the money that the women's uh, World Cup winners also get should be the same. But yeah, yeah but I think firstly, they up. have to play more right. uh, matches. Uh, there they should be more uh, visibility of what they're doing because there's not so much coverage when you compare it with mm. men's cricket. Right. So they have right, to start right. with that. Mm. Uh, they have to make it more popular. Then right. more money will start pouring in to the game, and then they will be able to have mm. a bigger share. I, I mean, I it's it's going to be. Uh, I, I don't know when that will happen. It will take some time. Uh, just another mention here in this right. uh, in this current World Cup men's cricket. Uh, this World Cup, so each mm-hmm. uh, match victory will pro, you know will win a team fifty thousand dollars. That's also a lot of money for uh, one match, don't you think? Of course, that's not that's not bad amount of money at all. Yeah. I think the player of the match gets something like one thousand or a thousand five hundred dollars, if I'm not wrong. Uh-huh. So this is this is a lot, right? This is a lot of money. <laughs> that's very good. Yeah. That's that's very good. Yeah. So why not? I mean, they deserve it. I mean, we know they are a bit overpaid. We say it, but yeah. nonetheless, it's a World Cup. So that that's that's fine. I'll I'll understand that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Going forward. Um, if you were to look at uh, you know uh, the other important news that has come out just before the World Cup, um, Afghanistan coach Phil Simmons has announced that he'll probably step down as the coach of Afghanistan after the World Cup. Right? He started uh, into 2017, uh, very end of 2017, mm-hmm. frankly, and he was mainly appointed to make sure that Afghanistan qualify for the World Cup. This was sort of his main agenda, and he made sure that happens. Yeah. Right. And uh, after that, of course, they have gone strength to strength under him. But I think uh, he's done a really good job with them. And uh, with that also, uh, there may be some some disagreements in the background because also when the captain was changed, maybe he sort of indicated he was not consulted. And he was also informed that uh, Askar Afghan's captaincy was brought to an end and Gulbadin Naib in ODI and so on will replace him. And he was just told about it. Right. And maybe this may also have had some impact, but we don't know. But, you know, it was an 18 month contract. And let, let's put it like this. He's done a really good job mm. and he's taken Afghanistan uh, to the next level. Yeah. Right. And uh, it's going to be a tough challenge. Whoever will take over as the coach of Afghanistan after this. And I hope, uh, you know, they choose the right sort of a person. Mm-hmm. Right. Who's first of all, has experience coaching an up and coming team, but also has enough world worldwide experience or a coaching at the top level experience, let me put it like that, who can take them forward. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So we wish Phil Simmons anyway all the best uh, for his uh, future endeavors after the World Cup. Right? Yep. Now, as mentioned earlier, uh, uh, we have a special guest today, or in fact a returning guest, uh, Karna, here to uh, talk to us about uh, a feature that he has prepared. Um, so let me welcome Karna back to the show. Hello Karna, how are you doing? I'm good, Giri. Uh, good to be back on the podcast and hope to have a good time like last, like the last time round. 
Right, right. So World Cup is not so far away, right? Uh, I'm sure you have something to say about the World Cup that's uh, upcoming, uh, you know, in in England in a couple of weeks or maybe just a week from now. Just a week, right? just a week. It's just it's it's from next Thursday. Uh, long awaited. So hopefully India can do well. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, let's hope. Uh, let's see. Uh, England are obviously the favourites, but yeah. like, you keep your fingers crossed and hope India make it to the semi-final first, and then we take right. it from there. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Right. Um, so, what have you uh, prepared today? What, what are you going to talk to us about? Uh, my feature today is about a couple of cricketers who are not what you consider to be in the top echelon of elite superstars, but nevertheless, mm-hmm. very good cricketers and were the unsung heroes of their teams during the World Cup campaign. Right. Okay. I'm curious. Uh, so, I will uh, let you uh, speak about it and. Uh, here you go, start. Thank you. Uh, Sri Lanka were the surprise winners of the 1996 World Cup held in the subcontinent. When you think of the heroes of that campaign, the names that come to your mind are the Mad Max, Arvind De Silva, the wily old captain uh, Arjuna Ranatunga, the dashing openers who revolutionized cricket by pinch hitting in the first 15 overs, Sanat Jayasurya and Ramesh Kaluvitarna, and their spinners. Mutaya Muralidharan, Kumar Dharmasena, and again Sanat Jayasurya. But there was one more hero for Sri Lanka who played a vital role in them winning the cup. He was the number three batsman for the Sri Lankan team, Asanka Pradeep mm-hmm. Gurusinha. Gurusinha was right. a big, stocky, bearded batsman. Mind you, when beards weren't a fashion like now they're like now. <laughs> yeah. He was a throwback to the old days, playing the sheet anchor role at number three in a team full of stroke makers. He mm-hmm. finished with the sixth, sixth highest aggregate runs, 307 in the tournament at an average of 51. Uh, something to note here, Sri Lanka played two matches less because Australia and West Indies refused to travel to Sri Lanka uh, just before the World Cup. Because if I remember correctly, it was because there were a couple of bomb blasts and there were major safety concerns around the time. And uh, Australia and West Indies refused to travel to Sri Lanka and ga- instead gave them a walkover in the group games. Uh, so now coming to the actual World Cup matches, like I just spoke about, uh, their first match was against Australia, which was a walkover. And Sri Lanka got the points for the match. In their second match, they played Zimbabwe. So Zimbabwe batting first scored a decently competitive 228 for 6 in the 50 overs. Now remember... Uh, this was 1996. It's not 1999. I mean, it's not 2019. So 228 at that time was actually a decent total. Uh, Alistair Campbell was the top scorer in the match with 75 of 102 balls. Sri Lanka in reply lost two quick wickets. Uh, Kaluvitarna for a duck with the score at 5 and then Jayasurya for 6 with the score only at 23. Uh, At this stage, Gurusena playing a patient hand guided the team out of danger with Aravinda De Silva and put on a partnership of 172 for the third wicket. Uh, Gurusena ended up getting run out for 87 of 100 balls with five fours and six sixes. This was another interesting facet of, of Gurusena's batting. He was basically a stodgy player, uh, correctly playing, I mean, playing correct defense and then taking singles, flicking and cutting the ball mainly. But because he was so powerful, he would all of a sudden wake up like Mizbah and start hitting sixes. So, uh, that was just 
just a small little facet mm-hmm. of Gurusinna's batting. Uh, Sri Lanka right. finally won the match quite easily, chasing down the score in 37 overs, with Aravinda scoring 91 as well. Then the next match again was against West Indies, which, like I mentioned earlier, they got a mm-hmm. walkover and they got the full points for that. After that, they faced India, which was the match at the Firosha Kotla. Mm-hmm. India batting first, led by a brilliant century by Tendulkar, scored 271 for three. Uh, Tendulkar, if I remember correctly, scored 137 and was run out in the last over or the mm-hmm. over before the last. Mm-hmm. In the chase, all the top order Sri Lankan batsmen scored consistent runs. Guru Sinha himself scored 25 of 27 and put on an important partnership of 76 with Sanat Jayasuriya, setting them onto the path of victory. Mm-hmm. In fact, this match is famous for another thing. Yeah. Kiri, can you guess what this was? Uh, was it Manoj Prabhakar bowling off spin? Yes. This, 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 <laughs> How can this, I forget this, that? Yes. He started off bowling pace, uh, pace and then Jayasuriya took him apart and then he was reduced to bowling off spin. I think Jayasuriya basically ended Manoj Prabhakar's career there, Absolutely. right there and then. And at his home ground, if I'm not wrong, uh, Prabhakar was actually from Delhi. So. Yes, yes. Uh, was unfortunate, a sad unfortunate for yeah. Prabhakar. He, he was a good servant for Indian cricket, but he didn't. I mean, cricket can be cruel. Sport can yeah. be very cruel. But and speaking he, of Prabhakar, do you remember that uh, innings he played with Nayan Mongia? Do you remember that match when uh, Prabhakar? Yeah, 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 they were chasing down they, and a score. I think it was probably against West Indies. I'm not. I'm not sure. Maybe England or West, West Indies. Yeah, I uh, think and they just stalled and they they didn't bother trying to win the match for India or something like that. No, Manoj Prabhakar was actually very close to his century. Oh, okay. So okay, he played yeah, for yeah. his century, but he didn't try to accelerate or he didn't try to chase the score down along with Nain Mongia. Yeah. My memories are very foggy, but yeah, I, I do remember that it was Mongia <laughs> and Prabhakar batting at that point of time. Well, these things I kind know. of stick out. Uh, so. yeah, I, I don't, I don't. Yeah, go on. Okay, so continuing back. So, their next match was against Kenya. Uh, Sri Lanka batting first went absolutely berserk. Jay Surya scored 44 of 27. Kaluvitarana 33 of 18. Guru Singh 84 with 7 4s and 3 6s. De Silva 145 of 115. And Ranatunga 75 of 40 balls. And wow. Sri Lanka actually ended up with at 398 for 5, the highest ODI score at that time. The interesting bit I found out during my research was, and I didn't mention it when I first uh, uh, said his score, Guru mm-hmm. Sinha's score is 84 of 103 balls. Right. So if he had batted at a higher, slightly higher strike rate or a strike rate of 100, especially considering that all the other batsmen who had batted on that day scored at more than 100, Sri Lanka would have been the first team ever to have scored 400 in an ODI, which is an inter- which, which which is something. I mean, I was just going through the scorecard and they just I just managed to I I just saw that and I was like, okay, if this guy had just you know, if he had scored a, if he had scored 86 of 100 balls, I mean, they would have they would have been the first team to score 400. Well, yeah. I'm going to take Guru Singh's side here and then say it's because of his 84 of 103 that Sri Lanka actually managed to score 390 odd runs. Because he was the solid rock, right? The 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 other batsmen uh, revolved around. I think he was uh, there providing stability. Yeah. That that's true. That was his role in the '96 World Cup. Uh, Indeed, yeah. Yeah. So going back to the match, Kenya and Reply managed to score 254 for seven with Steve Ticolo almost becoming the first associate member to score a century, getting out for '96. 
so after mm-hmm. so sri lanka at the end of the group stage if i remember correctly uh, i think they were in group a uh, and they they topped their group mm-hmm. uh, and they faced england in the quarter finals who had finished fourth in group b so the quarter finals uh, and this is something again that i i, I just happened to remember uh, i think uh all the teams that ended up in the semi finals were all from group a mm-hmm. if i remember i mean this is i mean i know i'm digressing from the topic right now but i mm-hmm. just happened to think of it because i think the first the sri lanka beat england i think uh, south africa were top from group b they lost to west indies uh australia i think were second australia beat who did they beat in the quarter finals i don't remember maybe maybe yeah they beat uh, new zealand in the semi final i mean quarter finals i remember it was a high scoring match i think it was played at chepok and then india were third and pakistan were second and india beat uh, pakistan at bangalore mm-hmm. so it was all the teams from the group a who actually reached the semi finals right something just that i just happened to think about nice okay uh so uh, so i mean sorry to no it's okay like i said in the quarter finals mm-hmm. uh in the quarter finals england scored uh, 235 for 8 batting first with philip de freitas top scoring with 67 sri lanka led by jayasurya's assault chased it down in only 40 this was the time when the cult of jayasurya was at its mm-hmm. peak uh gurusena played the ideal supporting role with a key innings he again scored 45 of 63 balls with five fours and put on a partnership of 101 ensuring that the team had no nerves mm-hmm. and uh, and reach the uh, target with in a forwards to spare then came the semi final the the famous semi final at eden gardens uh, this is the one match you could say that he had a failure uh, batting first mm-hmm. he scored only one of he scored only one of 16 balls but sometimes you know statistics only tell you half mm-hmm. the story Sri Lanka lost two wickets in the first over with both Jayasurya and Kalwitharna getting out to uh, I think it was Srinath uh, caught yeah. at third and match and Prasad I think so yeah. so at that yeah so at that time they needed somebody to just stay at the crease and calm their nerves it was Sri Lanka's first semi final first big semi final in front of a hostile home crowd at Eden Gardens mm-hmm. uh I mean, everybody knows Arvinda De Silva came in and immediately counter-attacked and scored 66. But just Guru Singhna had a very important role. He just stayed there, making sure that there wasn't a collapse. Mm-hmm. Those two wickets could have easily been four wickets, five wickets. Instead, he just stayed there, uh, just let the inning settle down before they could actually uh, move mm-hmm. forward. Uh, to say they uh, they they uh, both de silva and gurusinna only put 34 but i believe that was an important 34 which laid the platform for sri lanka to go on and score the 250 that they did which finally uh, led them to winning mm-hmm. the match so now that sri lanka had uh, won the semi final it was a big final ranatunga as he had done throughout the tournament chose to bowl first Australia after a fine start through Mark Taylor and Ricky Ponting struggled their way to 247 in the 50 overs. But this was the World Cup final and no team batting second had won before in the history of the tournament. Mm-hmm. And Australia sure enough would not make it easy. 
they got both the openers out quickly jayasurya and kalavitharna again and sri lanka was struggling at 23 for 2 when de silva joined gurusena at the crease both of them slowly but surely built a partnership and most importantly they attacked one and took him for 58 in mm-hmm. his 10 overs gurusena went on to score a very important 65 of 99 before getting bowled out to paul rifle trying to hit him over the mid off and mm-hmm. getting bowled but their partnership of 125 set up the platform for de silva yeah. and ranatunga to fin the finish the match and secure a glorious world cup win for sri lanka gurusena often wasn't the prettiest player had to come in very tough conditions at times build partnerships and often played the supporting mm-hmm. role but it shouldn't take anything away from his contributions and he was truly the unsung hero in sri lanka winning their first mm-hmm. world cup mm-hmm. Is it true that Gurushena actually started out as a wicketkeeper in his younger days? Do you do you know this? I I I I didn't know. I, I remember I, reading somewhere that he actually started out as a wicketkeeper, and then he gradually established himself uh, as a number three batsman, as a sheet anchor, like you said. And I remember reading somewhere that uh, must be, must have been on Cricket Info. Uh, I think I don't remember the name of the author. I will uh, try to re- remember it later. He actually said. that gurusena was a rock on which sri lankan batting was founded especially for that 1996 world cup so as you said i think he provided the stability the team needed to you know other the other players needed to express themselves right so i think it was such a crucial role played by gurusena yeah i mean that's true you know i mean for us we've grown up during that era so we've seen the 96 world cup but you know until i started researching all the matter i actually didn't realize that he had played this this important role during the world cup which is quite surprising mm. uh, i mean he's contributed in every match you, you understand the importance of a mm. number 3 not not current day number 3 <laughs> who has to be more attacking but the the old school number 3 you know where the old dravid playing mm-hmm. at number 3 or the gurusen in this case playing the number 3 just the supporting role just playing the sheet anchor and having all the players mm-hmm. play around him which is exactly what he did during throughout the tournament and and sure enough uh, he deserves more accolades than he probably has gotten for his performance in mm-hmm. the 96 yeah. world true true well actually i do remember him playing that 60 odd run 65 runs i think in that finals right so i do remember gurusena playing that innings quite yeah. well and i also remember yeah yeah i think the final is one innings even now yeah. i remember i think we were used yeah. to play arvind adi silva making such big scores here already played well so well against india and then of course you mentioned about uh, i think was it zimbabwe where sri lanka made near 100 near 400 score uh, so arvind was already on song in the tournament so yeah. if he scored a century it was kind of expected i think at that stage it was almost like uh, you know mahindra singh dhoni uh, coming out and uh, playing that 91 Uh, that he did against Sri Lanka in the 2011 finals it was expected you know he, he was there so he was expected to carry the bat uh, and finish the job for uh, indian cricket team so but gurusena is yeah i think he really is an unsung hero um and uh, did he also play, uh, play a lot of test cricket he he i mean uh, i mean again there was something he did play i, I don't have the exact statistics about mm-hmm. uh, him uh about how many test matches he's played but he did play okay. quite a bit of test cricket 
and one of the things and one of the more in, interesting things that i read about uh, while i i was reading about gurusena was he played a couple of series against shane one and and he's very proud of the fact that he never got out to him so shane one doesn't have gurusena as one of his victims in the 708 mm. wickets that he has he has scored two centuries against uh, shane one oh wow, that's, that's, an, amazing so that's that an amazing record that's an amazing record yeah that's true that's true that's true so that's what it is that is a, he, that's something that i read but uh, one of the things i read about him was his test career mm-hmm. ended uh, prematurely because he had some kind of a disagreement with arjuna ranatunga about mm-hmm. about about uh, sri lankan cricket and obviously ranatunga being the captain and a yeah. very powerful figure obviously mm-hmm. after the 96 world cup so uh gurusena's career was okay. cut short uh, and probably would have played a lot many more years than so than when did he retire he then when did he actually retire just quite sad i am not sure i i i think probably around 97 okay so is when he actually retired so, so he didn't play much after that mm-hmm. he didn't play much after the so still something uh, like early 30s or something so it's, it's yeah so yes that's yes, uh, yeah. a premature end indeed yeah right Oh, okay so say so to mm-hmm. my second player um, so australia in the late 1990s were the dominant team mm-hmm. in both test and odis they had reached the final of the 96 world cup won the world cup in 1999 conducted in england and came in as the overwhelming favorites for the 2003 world cup to say that their preparations before the start of the tournament suffered a setback would be an understatement All-rounder Shane Watson had suffered a stress fracture in the back and had to withdraw from the squad. Michael Bevan was injured for the start of the tournament and Vaughn took a diuretic which was an illegal drug and managed to get himself banned for a year hmm. just days before the tournament started. Ricky Ponting as the captain insisted at that time that Andrew Simon should be picked in the squad. This was a bit of a surprise because Simon had hardly made an impression on the world mm-hmm. world stage until that time. He had an average of just 23 after 55 matches and was seen mainly as a brilliant fielder and a talented player who hadn't fulfilled his potential much like Rohit Sharma in in his uh, in yeah. the first until the champions trophy of his international until the champions or at trophy. least before, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah or at least yeah that's true or yeah champions yeah. trophy when he started opening uh, yeah. the the batting Now to give a quick history of Simon's uh, about his cricketing career in the early part of his cricketing life he lived in England and he played for Gloucestershire in the English county cricket in fact he once held the record for the most number of sixes in a first class innings 16 which was only recently broken if if I'm and I think this record he broke or he 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 created the record in i think 1995 or 96 and it was only broken okay. after 2015 or 16 so he held the record for that long uh, england in fact wanted to pick him for mm-hmm. their international side but he opted for the tougher choice and chose to represent australia and mm-hmm. move to australia uh, now to the actual world cup uh, australia's first match at the world cup was against pakistan at the wanderers johannesburg Um, Australia batting first were in trouble early at 86 for 4 after 16 overs uh, both their openers uh, Gilchrist and Hayden uh, Damian Martin and Jimmy Marr uh, the left-hander 
they had all they were all back in the shed and in walked my andrew simons under a lot of pressure uh, and absolutely smashed uh-huh. all the pakistani bowlers only ponting supported him with 53 and he was out with the score at and ponting was got out uh-huh. at the score of 140 and this was again something that i was reading and which 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 may be totally untrue just like the uh, steve was sledge to hershey yeah. saying that you drop the world cup in fact when uh, when uh, i mean this, this is the story the the story goes something like this that uh, andrew simons walked out to the crease uh, mm-hmm. at johannesburg uh, in, in the match and ponting was at the other end and apparently ponting told him that uh, i i i i put my neck out for you and now you better make sure that uh, you prove me right and go out and make a big score something of that so he gave him a pep talk uh, so obviously he gave him a pep talk and he kind of threatened okay. him that he has to score today uh, or otherwise so did he deliver he uh, on uh, on the word did he deliver uh, okay mm-hmm. yes 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 so, but simons he showed maturity batting until the very end of the innings uh he reached his 100 of only 92 balls and finally finished on 143 not out of 125 balls with 18 fours and 2 six and if i am correct that was the that was his highest score at, until the day he retired an interesting anecdote from the match was pakistan was so angry and so fed up with or probably they mm-hmm. totally did not expect simon uh, simon onslaught that wakai yunus bowled two beamers in the 49th over and if you look at the highlights it looks i mean it does look mm-hmm. that it was deliberate i i have to say because he bowled two consecutive beamers to him in the 49th over and he had to be taken off uh, australia ended up with 310 for 8 and uh, comfortably ended up win- uh, comfortably ended up winning the match by 82 runs uh, not surprisingly andrew simons uh, he was declared as the man of the match and uh, a new star was born mm-hmm. in the world cup uh, but the thing was uh, australia had such a good team in the world cup in the 2003 world cup and like i said i mean he only got a chance oh i actually i actually, i mean there was another i mean he actually got a chance because like i said uh, michael bevan mm-hmm. was injured in the batting lineup and actually darren lehman was actually banned for racial abuse he had racially abused a couple of sri lankans in the tournament just before the world cup so andrew simons wouldn't have actually played in the first match if it weren't for these two players so they had a, they had surfeit they had an, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of batsmen so if, if as i go through my list there are a lot of matches in mm-hmm. which he actually didn't play and australia obviously were very dominant towards through the world cup and that also resulted in him not getting much chances the second match was against india in which i think india scored something like 125 and mm-hmm. obviously australia won by 9 wickets so you obviously wouldn't expect simons to have much of a chance uh, against netherlands uh, both lehman and bevan were both back in the uh, in the final playing 11 so simons was actually dropped from the squad uh, and he he did not play in that match again against zimbabwe the next match um he did not get a chance to play uh against namibia uh he was the second highest scorer 
uh, after Hayden's 88. Uh, Simon scored 59 of 63 balls with two fours and two sixes, helping Australia score 301 for six. And they comfortably won the match by 256. Namibia getting all out for 45. Uh, his his one failure was against England. Uh, he only managed to score a duck of five balls. Uh, and because of this, again, he was dropped against Sri Lanka and New Zealand. But Australia again mm-hmm. picked him for the semi-final, which, which, which you can say was a masterstroke or out of, I mean, I, I, I guess they just, just thought that their batting wasn't performing well enough because against New Zealand also, I think that was the match in which Shane mm-hmm. Bond took five wickets or six wickets. And Australia just about survived winning the match. So against against uh, Sri Lanka at Port Elizabeth in the semi-final, uh, this was a very slow pitch. Uh, Australia lost three wickets, and this match was famous for 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 something that happened. Giri, no, can you guess no what idea. It was? Tell me. This this was the match that uh, Gilchrist hasn't he done that on multiple occasions? No, this this was actually the very first time that okay. the, that Gilchrist walked. He he had never walked. He had never walked before that. Uh, I mean, it, he had a, a bolt of lightning hit him or something like that. That was the match. I think he tried to hit a sweep shot. Ball went up in the air and then uh, the umpire didn't give it out and then Adam Gilchrist started walking. So mm-hmm. after that, he walked every time. But before oh, that, I didn't know that. I thought he was always a walker. That okay, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. So, so Australia. I mean, coming back to the match, Australia lost three quick wickets and were 51 for three after 12 overs. Uh, like I said, the wicket was slow. The spinners strangled Australia, uh, and they could never quite get away. But uh, the one thing was the batsman, or in this case, Andrew Simons, realized that. This was not a 250 wicket. This was probably more like a 220 wicket or something. So he just completely changed his game. He anchored the innings and he finished with unbeaten on 91 of 118 balls. Um, he, mm-hmm. With 7 fours and 1 six. And which ended up being his second match winning innings in the tournament. The value of the innings can actually be gauged by the fact that no other player came close to scoring a 50 in the match. Um in the in Australia, the second highest scorer was Darren Lehman, who scored only 36 and who put on a partnership with Andrew Simons. And even Sri Lanka, when they batted, uh, Kumar Sangakara was the highest score, second highest scorer, who was 39. So in a match where nobody else scored 40, Simon scored double of it, or just more than that. He ended up with 91, and he won the mm-hmm. uh, man of the match. And Australia obviously won the match on Duckworth and Lewis by 48. And went on to the final. And we yeah. all know what happened. <laughs> so I will not go into that. In any case, Simons, Simons didn't actually okay. get a chance to do much in the match. So uh, so to finally end, uh, starting off as a controversial selection before the start of the World Cup, Andrew Simon showed his talent and value to the team, contributing in two very important games. The first game when there was a lot of questions around the team as to whether they would be able to perform being the defending champions and then again in the semi-finals ensuring Australia would go on to mm-hmm. defend their World Cup uh, setting setting the stage for three consecutive World Cups in again in 2007 
The tournament also provided a springboard for Simons to have a very successful career in both ODIs and Tests for the better part of the next decade. Right. Um, talking about Andrew Simons, uh, I, I also remember that he was he was also a good bowler, right? He was a handy bowler, not just a powerful batsman. Yeah. He was. He was. Quite. He and he he. I mean, he could bowl both pace and spin. So he would bowl both medium pace, and then he would come and amble up yeah. and bowl uh, spin. And one of the interesting things, at least, uh, I, I always used to feel that about Simons, and probably you cannot compare it to today's cricketers, but if you remember during that time, all the brilliant mm-hmm. fielders were all short. Yeah. You had Herschel uh, Gibbs, you had John T. Rhodes, you had Ricky Ponting. But Andrew Simons uh-huh. was the exception to the rule. He was this big, uh, very tall guy. But he, yeah. if you remember, he was a brilliant fielder. He, I mean, both on the ground and catching. Yeah, probably so, down to his rugby uh, roots, I guess. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Maybe So he was a very powerful all-rounder. Do you think he lived up to his promise, or did he fulfill his potential? I think he got derailed mm. a little bit by the Monkey Gate scandal. Uh, mm-hmm. I won't go into who was right or wrong. So I think if it weren't for the scandal, I think he would have probably been a much better. I mean, his his career starts at the mm. end of his career would have been much better. Uh, but from where he started, I think he had more than a decent career. He, I mean, at his peak, he he was one of the first names on uh, the Australian mm. at least one day cricket team, uh, along with the likes of. I mean, he. he, he he, he was an integral part of mm-hmm. the 2007 World Cup team as well. So two World Cups, he had he had a very important role in both of them. So you have to say that he he's had a good career. But I guess I I would say that uh, he could. Well, have I for sure think so think. because I think when was this monkey career? It was in 2008, and by then he would have been about 33. So he might have had another two three years of good cricket in him after that. Um, so. Yeah, that's true. So you talk about you talked about two unsung heroes, right? One from Sri Lanka and one from uh, Andrew Simons, uh, sorry, Australia even. Um, so who do you think, or whose performances do you think uh, can be rated higher? I mean, can can we even do that, Guru Singh or Simons, in terms of contribution to their team winning the World Cup? It's it's yeah? it's actually quite tough, but you know I. Would actually go for. Uh, I would okay. probably say Gurusinha. The reason why I think that because the Australian side of 90s and 2000s, you know, mm-hmm. they were so talented. I mean, like I said, he was not even a part of. He was not even mm. supposed to be a part of the first eleven. I mean, they had. I mean, in the batting, they had Gilchrist, Hayden, Ponting, Martin, Darren Lehman, Jimmy Marr. So. I mean, I'm guessing if mm. he hadn't stood up, somebody else would have stood up for Australia. That, that was the thing about the 2000 Aussies, <laughs> which we yeah. hated so much. You know, if you get the top six, the number yeah. seven will come or yeah. come and get you. So that was the thing. So, but Gurusena, I mean, nobody yeah. expected first Sri Lanka to actually win, and. Uh, I mean, so Gurusena actually. Uh, I mean, I I just felt when I when I went through the records. I just felt in the mm. tough situations he was there. I mean, maybe 
his was a supporting role but without the supporting role i just felt mm. that the team would have fallen around him i mean uh, the team would have just folded i mean you cannot depend on just arvind de silva to attack and somebody everybody else to collapse so my feeling is that i would just by a little bit probably but i would give the ne- uh edge to gurusena in this uh in this in this yeah hi absolutely i absolutely uh, agree with uh, your assessment there i think gurusena was the solid rock uh, the sri lanka needed um so yeah i think that's uh that's a good note to uh, would you say uh end this segment um so let me thank you for presenting such a nice feature about two unsung heroes uh in the past world cups andrew simon sorry guru sinha and andrew simons um and uh, yeah it was lovely talking to you kana would love to welcome you back uh, once again in the in one of the upcoming episodes thank you i would love to come back thank you cheers thanks for having me well now mm-hmm. well in the ireland west indies and bangladesh tri series uh, we had the denouement of the series right so the finals was played in the previous week so bangladesh uh, you know they've done really well they've sort of thrown the gauntlet to the other teams in the world cup by you know playing very comfortably and showing that you know they will not be pushovers here because the way they played uh, you know clearly showed uh, every other team that you know they better be wary of this afghanistan team because uh, sorry the bangladesh team because uh, they beat west indies in the final so you know they remained unbeaten in the tournament they beat west indies twice in the round robin league and in the final they were able to again beat west indies so uh, west indies were batting first and they were doing well they were 152 for 1 in 24 overs when rain intervened and just to make a final of it uh, i think um, the west indies innings were stopped and bangladesh were set a very challenging total of 210 from just 24 overs right but they were able to chase this down so i remember reading that you know in the interval bangladeshi uh, let's say the experienced people in bangladeshi team mohammadullah and um, mushfiqur rahim and especially the captain mushfiqur murtaza told the youngsters you know don't worry about it at all we have not lost to this team and all we have to remember is this is a like a t20 match we just played like a t20 match and we'll win this and they did somya sarkar started off the innings very strongly by scoring 66 66 of 41 Mushfiqur Rahim continued this by scoring 36 of 22 but then the finishing touch was provided by Mosaddegh Hussain and Mohammadullah right Mohammadullah scored a run ball 19 but Mosaddegh Hussain took them home with a 27 ball 52 and they, i dare say they were in trouble actually with 3 to 4 hours remaining but you know all west indian bowlers turned out to be completely useless they were bowling sort of standard one day lengths nobody could you know finish off by bowling those death over lengths and um especially the um, kimar roach was really really punished and i think i remember in one over mosaddegh hussain took um, kimar roach for a few runs but also fabian allen the spinner was actually relatively doing well but when he was brought on with some 38 runs required of three overs or some such uh, i think he took him apart mosaddegh hussain for three sixes and a boundary in an over and those 22 runs sort of more or less finished the match off you know so they they are very they're very let's say uh, brave they're almost fearless this bangladeshi team and um, they're bowling well let them down i feel in the major main part of the world cup but maybe not we'll see how it goes right this is one of the tournaments that happened in the interim the other tournament that happened was the uh, ireland and afghanistan you know bilateral one day series so it was just two matches so in the first match ireland had beaten afghanistan comfortably by first of all uh, you know scoring only 210 
but then uh, they were able to take full advantage of the bowling conditions and they uh, you know uh, restricted afghanistan to just 138 so afghanistan were 138 all out that was a sort of a surprise win for ireland but in the second match you know um, they were very pumped up let's say the afghani boys so they made sure that the same mistake wouldn't happen again right so in this case uh, they batted first so mohammad shahzad hit a 100 and led from the front by hitting 100 of just 88 balls right and then rahmat shah scored 62 he sort of the mm-hmm. let's say the drive of their um, lineup and he took some time scoring his 62 but there are hitters around him so asghar afghan um, former captain scored 14 hashmatullah shahidi who's sort of a finisher we will probably talk about him again later today uh, because um, this guy scored a 47 uh, runs of just 48 balls but in the end najibullah sadran the bowling all rounder uh, hit out for a 60 of just 33 balls to take afghanistan to 305 that was a really challenging total in sort of very irish conditions where it was uh, seam bowling heavy and when it came their turn to bat ireland could not match them so paul sterling gave them a strong start he's made a 50 of 56 and andrew balberry and then porterfield and kevin o'brien they all contributed in spite of um, gary wilson trying his best scoring a 34 they were 179 all out right again uh, gulbadin naib the skipper took a 6 for he took 6 for 43 and sort of you know led from the front in defense of the score and therefore the match was drawn one all the series was drawn one all so it was it was also another you know interesting thing that shows that afghanistan are also sort of doing well you know uh, in the upcoming world cup i'm afraid giri sri lanka may be the last or the least effective team uh, the way these uh, these two teams are playing afghanistan and bangladesh mm, they may actually put sri lanka tell, behind them people may not so. be playing up to their uh, 100% i think they are still preserving their uh, uh-huh. um full strength uh, until the real uh, tournament begins let's see i mean we we have some some something mm. to say about pakistani team for example you know they are on a certain uh, losing streak we will come to that in a bit but uh, i wouldn't be surprised if uh, if uh, you know teams started picking themselves up all these teams that have been on a losing streak they will uh, probably start doing well when the real uh, time comes these are all just warm ups lie right i mean these these really don't count mm-hmm. people will have forgotten this uh, once the world cup uh, you know has begun Indeed. so of course i mean speaking of sri lanka you're right mm-hmm. you know they themselves snapped uh, as losing yeah. streak because they were also on a eight yeah. or nine match losing streak if you remember we had discussed it in the previous episode but they snapped that against scotland because they were also playing a uh two odi you know sort of a warm up bilateral series there and there uh, the first uh, odi was uh, washed out and no ball was bowled in that match but in the second one it was a full match and sri lanka batting first made 322 for 8 right with uh, avishka fernando opening with skipper karunaratna dimut karunaratna and they both scored very good 70s and at number 3 uh, mendes scored uh, 66 this made sure that they were very strongly placed and tirimanna who was batting in the middle order scored 44 in the end and with some useful contributions down the order they made 322 for 8 right and uh, scotland could not chase this and there was also some rain delays so therefore they were given a target of 235 from 34 overs based on duckworth lewis turn method and they were 199 all out in the last over of the chase so in the bowling uh, nuwan pradeep who's making a comeback to the odi squad along with suranga lakmal they bowled really well them both so suranga lakmal took two but anuman pradeep took four and he bowled really well in the slog overs 
and i remember dimuth karunaratna sort of making a point that i hope you know nivan pradeep takes some confidence out of this and he, he himself the skipper you know he scored a very good uh, 77 mm-hmm. of a very you know at a reasonable strike rate as a strike rate of 87 so between them i think that they, they did well the two openers so i think you might be right i might be jumping the gun when i say you know sri lanka might not do well and also of course it's a nine nine match uh, yeah, round yeah, robin course, league yeah. and that gives enough chances for all the teams right so exactly all right those were the two let's say um, you know uh, bilateral series the other bilateral series that happened was of course pakistan getting warmed up in england through a five match odi series so again uh, pakistan unfortunately could not do really well here because they had lost the fourth odi where stokes batted really well and took them home right and uh, if you quickly look at the scores in the fourth odi pakistan has basically made a record by being becoming the first team to score a 340 plus batting first right ever but unfortunately england kept chasing it down so in the fourth odi uh, this was the last of the those three where they made 340 and they were um, able to make that on the back of uh, 100 by babar azam who made 115 and fakhar zaman gave a 57 run start and then mohammad hafiz followed that up with a 59 and then shoaib malik made 40 41 and overall it looked like a solid total but uh, you know uh, england chasing it down were in a bit of trouble jason roy made 114 and james wins made 43 so they provided them a strong start and in the middle order there were a bit of runs scored jorut made a 36 but then the the much uh, let's say much wanted middle order of england could not fire josh butler and moin ali were out for ducks right both uh, dismissed by spinners of pakistan and then they were in a bit of trouble but ben stokes uh, found uh, form timely and along with uh, you know tom curran who made a runaball 30 they guided uh, england home this was the fourth odi but in the fifth one pakistan bat um, for for a chance uh, had to chase so in this case england batted first so there again they had solid contributions right down the top order so james wins made 33 johnny best 32 joe root made 84 and oin morgan made 76 josh butler 34 and then ben stokes 21 so and then in the end again tom curran and david willey swung the bat a little and they took england to 351 so again this was a very challenging score given that you know it was played in headingly uh, even though it was an afternoon match uh, as, uh, even though it was a morning match there was some swing in the afternoon and the english bowlers were able to exploit it and the openers could not provide a strong start for pakistan right fakhar zaman made a duck and abidali only five and uh, basically imam ali who was rested for this match because of some injury uh, abidali took his place and they couldn't really make a good start and babar azam made a fighting 80 and sarfraz ahmed the skipper made a really really good 97 and that was scored at a strike rate of 120 but then he also had some lower order you know assistance so asif ali made 22 imad wasim 25 and then hasan ali and shahin shafri everybody contributed even mohammad hasnain but they couldn't get to 300 and they were 297 all out for england chris walks bowled really well and he took 5-4 right so sort of england's bowling lineup and batting lineup both look really intimidating and the one takeaway, of course, as far as we are concerned, was Jofra just really good bowling in this series. And he was not required in the last two ODIs because I think the England selectors had seen enough. And they wanted to give a chance to the other fighting people like David Willey, Chris Wokes, also maybe Liam Plunkett and, you know, these people to sort of put their case forward. So as a result, he did not play in the last two ODIs, but he, I think he did really well. All right. 
going forward, we can quickly look at some of the other news section where, you know, we can go through a bunch of news that has come out in the last week or so. So first of all, um, Australia will host the first ever women's India A tour. So uh, the women's A tour was not really held very, um, very regularly. So uh, I think BCCI and uh, CA uh, Cricket Australia have sort of signed some uh, deals so that they will hold this at a more regular interval. So the first ever uh, India A tour of Australia. Indian Women's A Tour of Australia will begin, right? And the itinerary will be announced shortly. This is one thing. The next thing, well, the 100. If you remember this great uh, new format of the game, 100, that is being introduced by ECB, right? Uh, there was a soft launch with a year left, right? And just before the World Cup, they wanted to capitalize on the fever pitch the fans were at. And they tried to release a, mm-hmm. a poster and some, you know, some promotional material for it. And this was met with a bit of derision, especially on the social media platforms. Giri, what are your thoughts on this 100? You know, I know we've never spoken about it. It might come at, uh, it, it might come as a left-field question for you, but what do you think of this 100? <laughs> well, personally, I don't really care. I don't really care about this because right. I think it still has to be played at grassroots level and then they need to see what mm-hmm. happens with that. Uh, and then uh, we can start talking about it when it really becomes a news. This is for me, no news. It's a... <laughs> We already have yeah. enough uh, formats of cricket, and the only one we care about, as we both know, is Test cricket. So, right. <laughs> so it doesn't make any difference to me. I mean, basically, they are spinning it out as a way of attracting more people who are not cricket fans. But I mean, this is a longer discussion, I'm sure. But uh, I sort of feel you hit it on the head when you said <laughs> you don't care, and many uh, seasoned cricket fans also living living in England feel the same way. But, you know, uh, we'll see. We'll see. It's still more than a year away and they have enough time to sort of uh, big it up and sort of introduce it to uh, to kids and make it more interesting. But we'll see. We'll see. But maybe, uh, you know, I don't see the 100 replacing T20. Yeah. T20 might still be the most sought after format out there. And Test Cricket, of course, because of its, well, what it offers as a challenge. But, you know, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, maybe in four or five years' time, it may have its own presence. We'll really notice well, that. Well, I don't want it to turn out uh, to be yet another uh, batsman's game, you know. Uh, high octane entertainment provided by batsmen rather than the bowlers as well. So, I hope it doesn't right. turn out to be one of those. But anyway, this is... Uh, we'll talk about when it is actually right. a big news. <laughs> right. Now, going forward... Um, well, we just uh, hear that DRS will be introduced in the Ranji Trophy for the upcoming season, yeah. 2019 2020. That's amazing. Right? So that, uh, the yeah. Indian... yeah, because yeah, yeah. Karnataka I mean, would have won this uh, last season. Had their, I had think their so. DRS. They would have gone into the Absolutely. final. Let yeah, me put it like yeah. that. Yeah. Right? Right. Right. I think Chet yeah. Pujara was out. You told me this off air. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah that, that's, that's what I wanted to make. That, that's the point I wanted to make. So it's, it's good to see that uh, <laughs> Ranji Trophy has you know, woken up to this, or BCC has woken up to this and then realized we need DRS because it's a premier tournament in uh, India, right? It's, yeah. Of course, of course. That's one thing. And the other thing, well, I mean, I also remember in one of those, it might have been, I can't remember if it was in uh, Ranji Trophy or it was in uh, Dulip Trophy, one of the other trophies, but... I remember Parthiv Patel, who was batting and who was given out, who turned to the umpire and asked, why are you even umpiring? Don't you see? Or something like this. It was almost dissent. But his frustration was clear. But, uh, you know, when you have DRS, maybe you cannot take it out of the umpire, but just review, yeah. you know, and get away with it. So, all right. And it also helps the players uh, sort of get used to the system from the grassroots Absolutely. level. And not make no. blunders like uh, sometimes Kohli does. His emotional reviews. 
<laughs> well, that won't change possibly, but uh, some of the upcoming skippers may be better uh, prepared. Let me put it like That's that. Right? Yeah. All right. Going further, well, I mean, uh, speaking of Indian uh, domestic stalwarts, Rahane, who's played for Hampshire, uh, scored a hundred for them on debut, and uh, his hundred, along with Sam Northeast's hundred, ensured that Hampshire won that game. Right. Wow. That's nice news for us. Uh, and the other thing. Um, I think England have split their uh, first class season into two parts to go around the World Cup. So, as a result, Ashwin will be playing for Nottinghamshire in the second half after the World Cup. Mm-hmm. This is the other news that has come up. Again, you know, there was a funny tweet. I think uh, we should credit our friends from one tip one hand for this. So, I think ICC or somebody, so not ICC, but somebody, some troll out there tweeted saying that uh, beware uh, Nottinghamshire uh, non-strikers, Ashwin has been signed. And I think one tip one hand responded very aptly saying, BVR strikers, 342 test match wickets, right? <laughs> so that's a good one from our friends from One Dip One Hand. Shout out to them, right? All right. Uh, going further, Irfan Patan becomes the first Indian player to sign up for the CPL draft, the Caribbean Premier League draft, right? Uh, no news has come up whether he was ever signed up by a team, but that might follow in the upcoming days. I know the basic draft has already happened or the first round of the draft has already happened. But, you know, um, this more or less indicates that... Uh, you know, first of all, I think BCCI may relax its rules and it may allow some of its Indian cricketers or ex-Indian cricketers in this case to go and uh, play in the outside, uh, you know, uh, leagues. And, well, he'll need an NOC, a no, no objection certificate. Mm-hmm. But considering that his his career is more or less on the dwindle and he might never get to represent the, in, in India in at the highest forms, you know, even he's struggling to find a good Ranji team. He played for Jammu Kashmir this season. Right, even yeah, he's forming the team. He's actually forming the team. He's helping the local uh, so, people, you know, take up cricket as well as coaching them. He's not just a player there. So fantastic. Yeah. No, but that's a good uh, that's a good ending for uh, such yes. a career. He might still get finish it on a high if he were to make it good. Right, that's good. But maybe it makes sense, you know, so that BCC also sort of relaxes some of its regulations, and those people who are really not going to even get to play in the IPL. I tried to play in, in a different league out there. Well, there are there is a Canada Pro League, there is an Afghanistan League yeah. now. There are other leagues, also Caribbean Premier. Well, so why not? As I said earlier, everyone has to make a living after cricket, right? So they need to they need to be ready mm-hmm. for the future mm-hmm. when the cricketing career is over. So agree, agree. Well, I mean, sort of. Irfan Patan is already commenting in the IPL as it. He's sort of starting his career as a media pundit as well. So we one never knows. Let's see. Yeah. All right, we wish him all the best, of course. And then, uh, well, going further, uh, some of the, uh, another impactful news about BCCI has come out that uh, the BCCI's elections, as mandated by the Lodar uh, reforms that made the COA and so on, is going to happen on October 22nd. And June 30th is a deadline set for all states to adopt these reforms. And sort of, first of all, based on these reforms, elect their office bearers, right? By, I think it's July 30th, I'm sorry. It's July 30th, not June 30th. And then after that, October 22nd uh, is the date that has already been set so that uh, officially elected committee of administrators can be elected and the COA can stand down, right? Uh, one thing I see is that since the amicus curiae, PS Narsima, mm-hmm. has has been brought in, I think a couple of things are moving at a rapid pace. This could have happened already a year ago, but sort of the COA was in control for more than a year. We saw it, but well... As all good things must come to pass and eventually a new system must take over, I think BCCI will now elect uh, again office bearers as per usual. Mm-hmm. 
and the COA can uh, stand down and uh, we will also thank them for their job. I think they sort of brought a, a bit more accountability than was in transparency, right? Mm -hmm. That was completely missing. All right, then. Uh, now we've covered most of the important news this episode. Mm -hmm. Then we can quickly take a look at the trivia question for this week. So, uh, you know, recently in this episode, even we were talking about West Indies losing to Bangladesh in the final of a Tri-Nation tournament, the Ireland Tri-Series, right? Mm -hmm. So our question is based on that. So which was the last multi-team ODI tournament that West Indies actually won, right? Any, so we can just look at the last one they won, uh, but we can also discuss as a, you know, a sub-question, which was the one where they actually won uh, with other member nations. So I'm already giving you a hint here and you can easily go back a decade. I'm sorry to say that, mm -hmm. but you can easily go back a decade and you'll, you would find your answer. Not 320, right? but ODI. That's, ODI, yeah. yes, that's the question. So the, the last major t uh, tournament they ever won was the T20 World Cup under, uh, you know, Darren Shami. Mm. But this, the question is more about the ODI tournament. Okay. Right. All right. Now, uh, as usual, I would also like to say thanks to our uh, listeners and our supporters. Please listen to our podcast and discuss this with your cricket, uh, you know, cricket friends and make it more popular if possible. We are always having all the details in the, you know, the notes section of each podcast, how you can get in touch with us. Our Twitter handle is at armchecktrickpod. You can get in touch with us there or uh, on our Facebook page where we, uh, you know, put some uh, trivia questions out, occasionally also some polls out there. You can come part, participate in those. Also, you can write into us at armchair.cricket at gmail.com if you have some nice ideas, if you have some nice feedback about our podcast. Also, leave us a good rating in whichever platform you listen to our podcast on. Or if you want to answer our trivia questions, you could also do that either via Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Podbean. Any of these other platforms, you could also leave the answers to our trivia questions there. Right? Now, having said all that, it's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from him. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.